This hour is sponsored by BitCentral, efficient media workflows. is NAB Show Live. Welcome back to NAB Show Live. Hello. Here we are from the glorious Central Hall lobby at the Las Vegas Convention Center for 2019 NAB Show. And today's segment, this segment right now, I'm Brian Sethurst, your host. Today we're going to be talking about the revolution in image capture in virtual reality, immersive content, whatever we're calling it today, we have Michael Mansuri from Radiant Images, Chris Chaisanguantham, perfect, yay, from Visby, thank you, and Christina Heller from MetaStage. So uh, this is like great. We, you know, in the beginning, we just dropped cameras down, people put GoPros together, then you had the Odyssey, which was many GoPros. I remember early on, in order to sync cameras, we were clapping our hands, and, and there was nothing automated, and you had to keep writing down the number of the cards and all that, it was very, very labor intensive. And now we're moving in the, the, the discussion words of, the, of NAB and of our community over the last, I would say, nine to 12 months has been volumetric, light field, and then when, when Michael's concerned, who is who I go to, to say, how does this work? How can I use it? Um, so I'm going to start from this side with Christina. I got to go to MetaStage. Mm -hmm. um, you said, come on down, because we're in search of. Yeah. And um, tell us about MetaStage, and tell us about how MetaStage captures volumetrically. And you might need to define volumetric capture a little bit. Sure. So, so MetaStage uh, specializes in volumetric capture, which unlike, as we just described, the process of putting a bunch of GoPros together and shooting out, we're actually putting a bunch of cameras on the outside, like a globe, and shooting in. So at MetaStage, we use 106 cameras, video cameras, half RGB, half infrared, and then a performer, or performers, we can do up to three at the same time, um, are in the center of that camera array, and we are capturing them from every possible angle to create an authentic, fully three-dimensional performance that you can engage with with six degrees of freedom inside of an immersive experience. So you've now, so as I understand it, there's a 3D mesh created, then there's an image that's layered upon, you capture all the movement, um, and actually there's something from Microsoft Online that actually shows that process, I think, if people are curious about that process. But your actors or performers, they are, talk about hitting marks, they must be in within a certain zone, correct? Yes, so all the performance needs to happen inside an eight foot diameter circle. In fact, actually, of the eight towers that our cameras are on at MetaStage, we can actually roll them in. So if range of motion isn't as important to you and you don't need all eight feet, we can actually bring those cameras in closer to get uh, more, more coverage and a higher quality output. And so. What kind of clients are using volumetric? What kind of storytellers are using volumetric? Well, it, it runs the gamut, just like immersive technology does. So, you know, we have had people, we've had CEO and executives come in to do board meetings for the HoloLens. We've had uh, some training. We had a pharmaceutical training simulation where um, perspective pharmaceutical reps are dealing with a difficult doctor and kind of going through that simulation and we captured the, the doctor at MetaStage to create a very um, 
authentic recreation of the experience. We've also had beautiful art pieces, like which the piece I know you saw that's premiering at Tribeca, which was. Well, we can talk about it. It's 100. percent It's called 100. Yes. Yeah, and it's and it's a beautiful ballet piece where we captured 12 ballerinas, 26 costumes on a fully scanned stage to create the most authentic to real performance you know, that you can in VR. I have to say, in, in terms of what I've seen volumetrically, that is the best I've seen so far. And in terms of what I've seen in storytelling, just an immersive piece, that is really up there. It's like very, very top notch. It creates all the emotion that you need to have. And so volumetric contributes to this sense of reality that you have, that we don't otherwise have in, in the traditional cameras that we use. Well, totally, and it, and it actually, the compare, we, I feel like we saw huge leaps and bounds with the stereoscopic cameras of, of the recent generations of VR capture, but then when you take volumetric and you, com, uh, you combine it with <coughs> photogrammetry, now we're talking about something that is starting to get to the promise, I think, of virtual reality. Great, so Chris. Yeah. <clears throat> Chris, we, I met Chris because uh, along with John Canning, uh, for a client that we have, Legion M, we're creating a series called Icons. It's very, very, very important that we be able to capture the essence of the subject, of the celebrities or the cultural icons who may not be here very much longer. And we've been looking for technology. We consulted Michael, and I actually call Michael my Persian prince. We consulted the <laughs> Persian prince. and. Um, and then John came back, I was in New York looking at one thing, and John said, I want you to go to Radiant and take a look at, at Visby, Visby's light field technology. One of the things, when I was at Metastage, and I think everything has its, its perfect application, That's right. but if I'm interviewing a star who has a wonderful sense of humor and a flowing mane of hair, and she goes like this, I'm gonna be stuck in, and I can't tell her, as the person that she is, oh, please put your hair up in a bun and don't move, uh, don't move a hair. But Lightfield is a different capture technology and we came in to do tests with you. Can you explain Lightfield and what Visby does? Yeah, um, I think uh, Lightfield is, I, I think of it as a very complementary paradigm to volumetric. Um, it has a very different philosophy. Um, we're, not, we're not trying to build a volumetric model of the world that is rendered through shapes and essentially like physics engines is of, of light. Uh, essentially, if you think about a traditional photograph, it, it's sort of like an aperture model of a photograph, it's like you take an image of all the light that goes through a single aperture, right? And so the light field is basically, instead of taking just a narrow aperture, you're taking a whole window or, whatever, or surface, right? And so if I have a window and I can record all the light that's coming through that window from any point and what direction it's coming from, then I can reconstruct any view that I would have been able to see behind that window. So in effect, it's sort of like looking through a window and capturing the whole window. Um, and this is, uh, this is good because it's, it's more photographic. We're, we're interested in actually recording and inferring the light that we would have captured. But the, the problem is that it's also uh, harder to do certain things like volumetric because you don't have interactivity. Um, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of trade-offs. I mean, I think that the main thing is that, you know, it's, it's, it's a big data problem, but it has the advantage of... Uh, when you of, say big data, it's because there's a lot of it. Exactly, yes. exactly. And, but it, yeah, big very, very big. <laughs> but on the other hand, you don't have, you, you can capture things that aren't mediated through the 3D modeling of shapes and the physical, physical, physical rendering of, uh, of light effects. Does everything have to be done on location or can you use cloud services for the data, or how does that work? Uh, so typically we do everything in the cloud right now, but a lot of our program, our technical plan, is moving that forward to be on location. 
So part of the the attraction, and this is where Michael comes in, yeah. part of the attraction for us was we have to go to the person. We cannot bring the person to us. And in this particular case, this was a more portable system, Visby, right. that would allow us to to actually configure in different ways, yes? That's right. So, so where, Christina, you talk about being able to move the towers in and out, you, Visby, can configure differently depending upon what you'd like to capture? That's right. So I actually, I think that this is probably less of a technical uh, issue and more of a philosophical issue. So basically, uh, the idea of Visby is we wanted to develop something that was sort of like a camera that you just point at something and you get, boom, a light field. Um, and so we sort of designed our technology with the idea that it would basically be panels and then that would be modular because uh, my co-founder, uh, Ryan, who had been you know, working in immersive, he, he didn't like the idea that a lot of the tools were kind of making artistic decisions uh, on behalf of the, you know, of the creatives. And so we basically designed, we, we designed our technology to be used by creatives rather than trying to, rather than letting the engineers dictating what the creatives would have to do. And, and you also asked us, you literally said, what is it that you want to do? What exactly. will you be doing? And then you did your tests based on what we wanted to do. That's right. So while those tests were going on, I walked into your office and you closed the door and you said, I have something to show you. And that's what you were showing me. So can you explain what that is? I know that's a miniature version. Um, yes. So. Um, just a little bit about radiant images. Um, oh, we sorry. Are, <laughs> just, just a little, just a small, small <laughs> amount. Um, so we are um, providers of methods uh, to creative minds that want to achieve um, a new methods of uh, communicating with the audience. We're technology agnostic. We work with uh, companies like uh, uh, Meta, as well as uh, Bisbee, as well as Lightfield and Volumetric because we feel that the creative minds cannot be cornered into just one um, package. And we try to create a, a one line item solution for people. So they can come in and they can experiment. And uh, in our process of creating the ultimate perfect uh, solution for people that's agnostic to technology, we came up with this Oxus system, which debuted about two years ago at NAB. Um, and at that point, we had every single camera manufacturer adopted to our methods. Airy, Red, Canon, uh, Sony, Blackmagic, uh, Zcam, and it was outward facing cameras. It provided us perfect geometry and ability to have a perfect round sphere. At every vantage point, we're able to create um, no geometry errors. In other words, it's not just on the belt line. So our new version is OXA stages, and our OXA stages hundreds of cameras incredibly precise, anywhere in the space, you know exactly where the cameras are at. And um, the great thing is that we shrink the people and we put them in our domes now. That's the solution. No, so the domes are much bigger. The domes are about five meters, and US terms, it's about 16 and a half feet. And you told me, uh, how many cameras can the inside accommodate? It can accommodate as many cameras as you can fit in there. It can accommodate thousands of cameras. Um, Ideally, we're thinking anywhere between 100 to about 150 cameras. If we're doing light field, this supports light field. It also supports volumetric as well as mocap. What I think, oh, that was new. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch yeah. the mocap. Um, what I, um, 
What I found attractive about this is, is from a location standpoint. Yeah, it's very portable. From, from being able to go to a location and then from you telling me, because we also have another client that does outdoor shooting and we, they're interviewing celebrities outdoors and the idea that you said to me, I, I said to you, well, if you set that up and we're doing live streaming, how is that going to work and is it in volumetric or in light field or if we're doing capture? And you said, this is a flip of the switch of the software. Well, I, the idea, the principle of this idea, as a matter of fact, we just sold our first stages to one of the largest motion picture studios in the world, one of the oldest and largest. And what they were interested about is the fact that it's not bounded by one location, that this simply could be broken apart and be reassembled. When we did our first install, we installed the entire system in six hours. It took us two hours just to unpack all the material. But the philosophy was that super simple to follow instructions. It's based on hexagons and pentagons. You can't put them in any other way. They, they fit and they complete uh, the geometry solve. Um, our current partner um, that's built their stage with us is, I've already seen the live stream in volumetric. It looks pretty impressive. They're refining it, making it better as, as we're going along. But our method is that it's agnostic to technology. It could work with Microsoft Solve, hopefully, or it could work with uh, Fraunhofer or Visby. But so all you're doing is, and we, I won't even talk about sound capture inside there, but I think you told me that the cameras, that you can program those cameras to shoot volumetrically or you can switch the software. It's not about the programming, it's the uh, placement. Uh, and part of our other pattern is our um, robotic arms. Uh, the robotic arms allow us to realign the cameras for volumetric, which needs a little bit more disparities, and for light field, a um, little bit different configuration. Same cameras in the, in the sphere, in the hex, what octa, whatever you're calling it. Oxa. Uh, I'm I, like, I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm because my mind is going like, how can I use this? Um, same cameras, just repositioned. More for, density of cameras, perhaps. I would say more density of cameras. Uh, and is it possible to stream live in light field? I would say phase twelve or thirteen. We're in phase one right now. <laughs> yeah, we're, Let's we're, just we're get phase yeah. one. Uh, it, it, it will be and, possible. Uh, yeah, easy horses yeah. though. And it's stream. You know me, Michael. I know. Like, I do know. this. Yeah. Um, can you, on a volumetric, if you're streaming live in volumetric, who is capable of receiving that? Is that like the traditional headsets, tethered headsets? What's the processing power that someone on the receiving from what, end? From what I saw, it was not in a headset, but what we saw was a live stream into another virtual screen, or not the virtual set. Yeah, 2D, 2D output. 2D output, 2D, flatties. like flat, flatties, framed yeah. output. You can stream live volumetric that way, but streaming live to headset is, as far as I know, not currently possible due to data constraints. And if it is, we couldn't, we couldn't really talk about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's Michael's yeah. way of yeah. saying, yeah. it's kind of happening, but I it's can't. It's kind of happening, but also not necessarily commercially viable yet. Would you say that? like? I mean, if you're in Vegas, we have 5 GE. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. That's all right. No, so yeah, uh, the reality is yeah, I yeah, saw that on my phone. I'm yeah. like, what does that mean? The reality is that uh, there's a thing called 5G, but it's really private LTE. Um, until the phone systems have the chip that can also accept it, it doesn't matter if you have a 5G network, if the phones are not capable of getting it, or your devices don't have the CBRM uh, chipsets. 
uh, we're not ready for it yet. So I would say soon, yes, we could it's do just, a stream. It's very interesting to, and I think this is the way it goes, obviously, but you, you've got, and I don't know where the heck the standards body is. I mean, I know you guys are participating yeah. in a standards body for light field and biometric, which is called the Interactive Digital Experiences, e Alliance. Experiences Alliance. So at least Alpha. something's happening Alpha. there. Yeah. But, Idea. but you have the headset manufacturers over here, and they're increasing resolution and field of view and form factor. And then you have you folks who are working on capture, which you know now you can shoot something at 12, and you're not going to be able to display that at 12K, but at least you're future-proof. So uh, where is the conversation happening between the consumer hardware manufacturers and the capture industry? Well, I feel like Metastage is a little bit in a different category than these two because we're not actually a technology company that's trying to develop our own system. We're instead a place that you know, over time, we're starting with the Microsoft Mixed Reality Capture System, but we want to bring products to market when we think they're truly commercially viable, meaning you can, you can buy it today, you know what you're going to get, and on the other side is a consistent, like in this case, high quality, super small file size distribution that you can integrate into a mobile AR phone all the way up to a, a VR headset today without any complications. But you can integrate into a mobile AR phone right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I have an iPad with me today and I'm streaming our volumetric captures on, on the iPad and we have, um, we've had a number of clients do AR distribution on their phones. And so I think over time, you know, we're going to be integrating more of these sorts of products at MetaStage, but only when we, when we feel confident that a cons uh, immersive or 2D in ca this mm -hmm. case customer can show up on our doorstep and we can promise that they will get a certain you know, product by working with us and that they can rely on it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Okay. It does. I yeah. mean, obviously and so, so, yeah, so I'm not, a, I don't have like an engineer like, at the moment who's tinkering with cameras. Instead, we, we decided to start with the Microsoft system because it was vetted, you know, and they had been working on it for eight years and we could, you know, ensure that we would get a certain you know, output for our customers. Well, and I think you're also at this place where people are just, even storytellers, you have photogrammetry, you have volumetric, you have light, light field, and, and the storytellers are just coming to begin to understand what these, what these tools may be and how to operate with them. And by the way, they're coming in before, in my personal opinion, before we as a community have even managed to master the existing cameras that, that capture for virtual reality. So it's kind of like the collaboration with the storytellers, which is why I, I, I work with Michael and why we're working together and why we came to you to, mm -hmm. to say, okay, well, here's what we need in having the storytellers, but you then present me with something and I go, oh, and my immediate example, mm -hmm. I took the Holoride demo yesterday uh, with Niels uh, Volney from Holoride and my imagination I mean, yes, I was in the game that they played, the Marvel Universe and stuff, which was all fine. But my imagination was, I gotta have this SDK kit because I have to know how to take it apart and put it back together so that I can create a story on this platform that is, that you're, that he's handing me that this is what you do. You hand us well, these platforms and then we say, what can we do with it? What story can we tell? And can we push it to the next place? And can there be this kind of collaboration where I say to you, Christina, 
can I do this? Yeah, well to get your imagination running, I can tell you, like get the volumetric um, deliverables that we give you are an encoded MP4 container with everything fully baked in so and fully compressed. We're talking between 50 and maybe 400 megabytes for a minute and plugins for Unity, Unreal, Magic Leap, and Quest. So anything you can build in a game engine, you can just drag and drop these assets into, and suddenly you have a six-off experience with authentic human performance, whatever that is, whatever you're trying to achieve. So for the creators out there, you know, it's not that dissimilar to creating a game engine, and now you can use real actors and public figures. It's funny, um, you'll see the announcement today, Storytech Immersive is curating um, Vancouver International Film Festival and competition that goes with it, and it's, it, it'll be at the end of September, but as we start to look at the rules for the content that we'll accept, and the thing about VIF is that it's all about content that's available to consumers on a wide basis. So it's not like there'll be an experience at VIF that you can only have there and not have any place else. And the discussion around what constitutes narrative, does it have to be live action, can you take the character, the live shot character, and put it into game engine narrative? And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. As long as your actors are live action, we'll allow whatever environment you want to put them in because you're still telling a story. And with film, in green screen and now AR wall, you're doing that all the time. You're, so why shouldn't that apply in immersive content? So when you say that, the ability to gather assets from different places, put it in the environment, and take the actor's live performance, just throw and it put in. it in, it's just like, I, I can see putting your stuff together with AR wall, mm -hmm. with light field, because Michael, you and I discussed this, about that you feel that light field and volumetric That's our dream. will overlap. A boy could only dream. <laughs> Right, you can only dream. Yeah, I mean, I want to answer your question about, I'll make it quick and short. Um, so 50% of these gray hairs and probably about 50% of yours started before VR in 360. It was the same questions we had about HD, right? A few, 10, 20 years ago at NAB, we were discussing, wow, we're going to go to HD, and, and who's going to be, who's going to, where's the audience, and how are they going to consume this? And these were the same discussions we've had few years ago, 10 years ago, if we even look at our mobile phones from 10 years ago and see the evolution of how we got there, and also we have to constantly remember our, something about ourselves. We are impatient. Oh, I know that. No, 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 it's such a critical thing because for us, it might feel like, well, 360 is on, its, um, on a plateau right now and all these uh, you know, thoughts that might be going in our head, but for the average consumer, for everyone, next two or three years, this is the most cutting edge technology they'll ever see. The same discussions were happening about HD as well as uh, 4K video. I sat on panels and it was the same discussions. And if we look at our mobile devices, it's an evolution. Even our television sets, that's an evolution. It didn't go overnight. And it became something impactful, incredible throughout time and people who stood for it and push that boundaries forward. It's our impatience it's our, it, it, that, we're, we're that so does that, yeah. that leads to innovation. Yeah, I exactly. mean, we have known each other, what, five years? I know where you came from, I know what you were doing. You jumped into volumetric before yeah. anybody did. Mm -hmm. and, and when Visby, I mean, you, we were a storytellers in search of your technology and literally went out on a search. So we rely on the impatience of the industry. I, uh, the, the little bottlenecks that we have, 
This is why I think it's so important right now that we're creating excellent content, because as people come into the platforms, if they put on their headsets and the content is not great, they're not gonna put on a headset for a long while again. If a brand comes to you and you produce something that's not great that people don't see or doesn't, they're not gonna do it again. So the idea is to make sure that as people come online with this hardware, that we're beyond the wow factor, because wow will take you two minutes. Well, that's We're, why I always say that I'm so excited. The more boring the application these days, the more excited I get about it. You know, like I feel like like the training, you know, the the, the therapy simulations, because those are we need to find applications that yeah. are going to bring true value to the marketplace. And are laying the foundation, and yeah. that's why, I mean, I'm sure all of you are involved in enterprise applications. I know we are. Yeah. And you know, these applications are not the high, flashy stuff that goes out and people see, but they are our playground yeah. to learn and to collaborate with the clients and to learn something new. I get to push things with Michael all the time there's a new camera that they've just come out with that will allow us to shoot at 12,000 feet below sea level in a way that's never been done before because I said, how are we going to do this? So the idea that these are technological choices and that storytellers are now beginning to learn them and, and this is what I find to be so in this community that I haven't found in the past and I have gray hair too from the past. Um, you just can't see it because most of it's gone. <laughs> um, but this spirit of collaboration, that's why StoryTech is called StoryTech Immersive, it's story and technologists. And all of you are in this collaborative mode with storytellers where you understand not just, you understand that story needs to lead and technology, technology needs to support that, and that's great. Michael, where will we be? I'm asking you all for the same question, but he has no time to think about it. Where will we be in terms of volumetric, light field, and these technologies a year from now? A year from now? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I could say what I hope. Um, I'm not a predictor of technology, and I think um, the dangerous part is having evangelists lead technology. So I don't want to be an evangelist for it. So what I do want to say is what my opinion is, my hope and inspiration is. I hope that immersive, the true essence of immersive, puts us into worlds that taps into our core DNA. And it's not just about being told stories, but having us connected to subject matters. That taps completely to our core DNA. And I think any technology or anything that we do that taps into our core DNA is bound to be successful. When you have someone wear a headset and they're bounded by a seat that they can't walk away from, that's you know, some sort of immersive, but it's not the same as being connected to a subject matter. Having the ability to be walked right up to Jane Goodall, ask questions, and, and be participants in that story, I think is my ultimate dream. And we'll do whatever it takes. We'll partner with whoever needs to, and that's why. We try to keep our company as agnostic to technology and try to lead with ideas and methods uh, to help creatives achieve them. So that's my hope. Chris. All right, um, so to sort of touch back on something you said earlier, uh, it, about VR, XR, and I think it's the same with light fields. I think that, you know, we're impatient here because we like technology, but I think most people aren't, right? And so I think that VR and light field in a year, hopefully we'll get to the point where uh, we'll know that things are taking off because people like them, not because they're VR or light field, but just they're a thing, right? Because most people, they, they will consume things, they will use things that make their lives better without really like that much, that much consideration of how cool the technology that underlies it is. 
And so in terms of like one year from now, I, I would like, I think what's going to be happening in, for Lightfield and for Visby is that people will be consuming Lightfield uh, generated content. They won't necessarily know it's Lightfield or they won't necessarily know the, the specific technology that makes it hard or what makes it different from volumetric, but they will be consuming it because they want to and because it's compelling. And I think that that's, that's where I think things will be in a year for us. Christina. In a year, we'll have the Oculus Quest and likely also some interesting new AR headsets. Uh, the Oculus Quest is the headset I think that I've been waiting for Me for too. five years. And we're and I'm going to buy one for myself. I'm going to buy one for my sister who lives in Australia. I'm, I'm eager that, to imagine that it will be our ability to spend time, to, physical time together while across a great distance. Um, and volumetric, along with other great technologies, is going to be a crucial part of the experience inside both these AR headsets and VR headsets. Um, I hope also to see some web XR integrations. One of the biggest um, hurdles at the moment is that I can't share my content with something as simple as a link. You know, right now we still need to have a container app. So for instance, when we work with the New York Times, that was great because they already had an app. Mm -hmm. but telling someone they have to build an app to distribute content on the phone is a bit of a hurdle. So I'm hopeful in a year we'll have WebXR. I can say, hey Michael, check out what I just shot. And I just shoot him a link, he clicks the link, and boom, Absolutely. I pop up in his living room. I'd love to have you pop you up in my living room. <laughs> I said earlier, we don't spend enough time together just talking. You'll have right. a quest, and then we'll just hang out I am planning on it, so. yeah, Actually, I think it's 100% right. Look, some of the most fundamental, most impactful um, technology um, her, um, breakthroughs we've had have been stemmed out of man's um, uh, laziness, right? We, like the wheel, the, the escalator, uh, all these inventions, these, these groundbreaking inventions. I don't believe I've ever looked at this in this but, but, context. Think about it, a lot of cars, everything. The everything. remote control, you don't have to the get impact, them off the couch. Impact is if you do not make your technology brainless and it's easy to uh, adopt, and make it as easy to accept and uh, consume, it's not going to go anywhere. And it has to solve a problem. It has to, the problem is people don't want to go to movie theaters, that's why they watch things on TV now. But it or, may, actually, or watch, it's, it's it may actually solve a problem that you don't even know you have. Exactly. And so th these, this opportunity, um, like the DVR, yeah. you know, all of a cool. sudden that, that was a, a disruption. Um, I, I, it's a very exciting time to be a storyteller, and I just want to say on behalf of the storytellers, which you all are, even though you're coming from the tech side, you wouldn't be able to talk to us if you weren't storytellers. So I want to thank you for your continued support of storytellers. Michael, Chris, Christina, thank you for being here today on NAB Thanks, Show Live. There's lots more today on NAB Show Live. I'm out of here till Thursday afternoon. I'm going to walk the floor. Have a great day. Hey. This hour is sponsored by BitCentral, efficient media workflows.